Welcome to the Van Hack Podcast, the podcast for tech talent that wants to get hired abroad. Give me controllers. You want? No, if you want, we are we are back. Uh, if you wanted, you can put it later. Yeah, that's good. We are back here. Welcome everyone. I hope that you enjoyed the networking session with the Van Hack team and had the opportunity to connect with other bank hackers as well. Now it's time to discuss a topic uh, that I am sure you love and if you are here because it's tech challenges. To discuss this topic we have a special guest speaker today, Tam Cavelli. It's the third time we have him on a stage with us at BankHackCon and important and uh, Codecast is an important partner for BankHack. We are more than happy to have you on the stage of BankHackCon again, Tam. Let me introduce you to our attendees. Tam is the founder of Codecast, which is a teaching and learning tool for coding that makes it easy for software developers to create high-value training materials by capturing and sharing their normal workflow. He's also the CTO and co-founder at Applicar, which is one a mission of streamlined access to world-class education by connecting um, students, recruitment partners, and schools across Canada. In this session, Tam will cover many of the core principles for the best performance in the technical interview. And by the end of this session, you will have built more confidence to do better in that important interview, right? Tam, welcome again. The stage is all yours. Oh, where is Tam? I think you can Cam, your camera is off. Let's wait a minute. Oh, let's see. We are. Thank you, everyone, for welcoming Tam. He was here a minute ago. I don't know. Let's see. He's like facing technical interviews. Yeah, I think so. Let's wait for him. During that, you can tell me how was it. Oh. Is here. Are you excited to learn about code interviews? I know that this is such a big step. Hey, Tam, I see you back. I cannot hear you well. I think you're you're mute. Can you hear me now? Yes, I think I can hear you. The stage is all yours. I don't know if you missed my introduction. <laughs> no, but I, I... <laughs> I heard it, but it cut off for a second. So, you know. Okay, I mean... no worries. It's ironic talking about technical interviews while having some some technical issues. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? My name is Tam, and uh, thank you, Maria. I like she's mentioned. I am currently the CTO of a company called uh, Applicar, where we help bring international students to Canada, US, and the UK. Uh, previously, I. Um, founded a company called Codecast, which is an online learning platform uh, for uh, coding education. Um, and before that, I started and sold a coding school called CodeCore um, in, in Vancouver, Canada. Um, so, I mean, this is briefly to say I have, um, through, through my experience with Applicar and Codecast, I've hired a lot of people from different countries. I mean, hired from, you know, 
I mean, you, you name a country, probably have interviewed or hired somebody from there. And more importantly, during my experience at CodeCore, I've helped hundreds of students prepare for technical interviews. Because during CodeCore, what happened, we were training a lot of uh, junior developers who were just new to coding, and we had to teach them how to best practice for technical interviews so they could um, they could get the job. So this is why what I will uh, present to you today is from my experience being kind of helping uh, and coaching students uh, get jobs, but also hiring um, uh, people for Applicar and for Codecast. Awesome. So um, roughly the interview process usually goes something like this. You apply for a job and then there is generally a technical interview and a behavioral interview. One is to assess your technical chops, how good you are at potentially doing the job. And then are you a good fit for the team? Uh, which um, you can, I think, you know, it's more of a, of, a, of a soft thing. So first, like the technical is the hard thing, which is like, can you do the job? And then here, the other one is, can you fit well within, within the team? Now, again, the process differs vastly from one company to another. Um, but, you know, this again, for the interest of this presentation, let's, let's keep it at this simple process. Now, for the apply side, um, again, I think VanHack will give you tremendous help um, with, with this step. Uh, so I don't want to spend too much time in, in, in this particular part. The guys at VanHack should, should give you great coaching and helping with this. Um, just the one advice I will give you uh, when it comes to applying is apply to as many jobs as you can. Sometimes you may desire one or two companies, um, but reality is sometimes uh, the job you want has already been filled. So uh, sometimes even you see a job listed and they've already filled it, they forgot to take it down. So that's why I would say, you know, broaden your scope, um, apply to as many jobs as possible. Also, it's interesting that sometimes uh, certain companies may turn out a lot better than you expect and the other way around. So um, yeah, apply to as many jobs as possible. That's the one advice I will give you. Other than that, I think I'll leave it to our friends at VanHack to actually help you with a particular step. Um, you know, that said, you know, just make sure it's all quality applications. So uh, it's not just shotgunning. Shotgunning applications never work well. So make sure you spend the time applying well for, for these companies. Now, I want to spend a big portion of today's talk, you know, discussing the technical interview. Um, I mean, one thing is technical interview tends to scare almost everybody. And I can tell you from my experience that uh, technical interview, some companies intentionally make it a lot more difficult. Like, again, the fact that it is hard, it's honestly not a good representation for, for what the job really is. So this is why I would say, you know, um, treat it for what it is. It's a challenge that the companies put up um, and it's best to know how to make the best out of that technical interview. Um, there's different types of technical interviews. So to mention a few here, whiteboard interview. This is, you know, it doesn't literally have to be a whiteboard because you could be doing it remotely on, on an editor or something. But the idea for the whiteboard interview is that uh, they usually give you a technical challenge, usually uh, an algorithmic type of a technical challenge, things like you know, how to reverse a linked list or how to merge two arrays together or something. 
And then you have to walk them through that step by step. Even though it's not the approach that I prefer, it is actually what a lot of companies do. This is why I will be giving you a lot of hints and tips for how to do well with Zalma. Take home exams. Some, some companies will give you a technical challenge and they'll give you a day or two to do it. And maybe at the end, you have to explain your solution and such. Sometimes pairing with a developer, they'll tell you, we wanna work on this feature. Uh, why don't you pair with one of our developers and um, guide us through it? Another one is building a mock-up. This is usually for you know hybrid roles or such where you don't you may not like need a huge amount of code, or if you're applying more for like a front-end kind of an application. And finally, debugging challenge, which is walking the team through debugging a piece of code and coming up with a solution. I tend to prefer things like debugging challenges and and pairing, taking home exams versus whiteboards. That said, um, if you want to increase your chances, you have to be ready to do all, all, all of those. Uh, because again, you don't get to choose what the companies will interview you with. You have to improvise because every interview is different. Um, companies do a different combination of these. Sometimes, by the way, they do not just one. Sometimes they do a combination of these. They'll do a whiteboard and then a take home or something like that. So you have to improvise and basically use your best judgment with that. Um, more importantly, I'll talk about some principles to keep in mind as you're navigating through, through the interviews. Um, the first one, which I think a lot of, I've noticed a lot of developers overlook, is that interviewing is a skill that needs to be mastered. Um, I know a lot of developers, a lot of my friends, my students and such, they focus on the technical aspect of the job, which is very important. I mean, that's a given. But they almost never practice interviewing. Interviewing itself is a skill. Like um, you may not want to like you may not enjoy it as much as say learning a new framework, learning a new programming language and such, or a new architectural technique. That said, it is it is a skill that you need to master um, to help you increase your um, your odds of getting the job you want. You need to kind of think of your stack of skills that you need in order to, um, to to basically get the job that you want. Again, you know, I'm not mentioning as much about the technical jobs because honestly, if you're not good at doing the job at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's even bad for you to get hired because you may get fired after a few months, which you don't want. So it's very important to have the technical abilities. But what I've noticed, sometimes you do have the technical abilities. You just don't show it very well. And this is where the other skills come very important. So another very important skill is communication. So if you're applying, for example, I mean, I'm in Canada. So if you're applying to places in Canada, you need to have good English. But more importantly, you need to also learn how to communicate as a developer, how to interpret requirements, for example, understand tasks well, and then basically implement it using code. That's something that needs practice. And I'm pretty sure they, 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 our friends at VanHack do a lot of help for you guys on the English side of things and different types of communications. Job hunting skills. Job hunting is actually, it's a skill by itself. How do you search for a job? How do you research a company? How do you apply? Like cover letters are extremely important, in my opinion, especially if you want to stand out from all the others who only send their resumes. Again, this is stuff that I think VanHack will help you out with. And then finally, the interviewing skills at the very top. So interviewing skills is basically what I'm kind of covering a lot in this presentation, which is 
you know, just what I want you to think in this principle is treat it like something that you need to practice and learn, not just like, oh, I just go and do the interview. Treat it like something that needs to be mastered like any other skill. The other thing is a principle that I want you to keep in your mind is treat interviews more as a conversation and less as a test. I mean, they are tests at the end of the day, but if you treat it purely as a strict test, I think you lower your potential a lot here. Uh, as I, you know, as I will explain more to you, basically, it's um, for one one part of the interview is to test your technical abilities, but part of it is also to test your communication skills. So if you just treat it as a test and you stay silent, just focused on your task, usually you miss out opportunities to get hints. You miss out opportunities to um, um, interact, show your communication skills, show your interest, your excitement to the company and all that stuff. So always treat the, the interviews, all the st stages of the interviews as a conversation where you chat with the team or you interact with the team or you ask questions. Um, <clears throat> principle number three is know as much as possible about the company you're interviewing at. So uh, when you, before you do the interview, one thing you can do is you can go read the company's website, understand at least from the external what the product does. You may not have direct access to the product if it is like an enterprise kind of a product where it's hard to demo. But if it's a, if it's a publicly available product, create an account, try the product out, understand what they're doing, read their blog, social media, um, check out who in your network may be working at that company, learn more about it. The more investigations you do there, the more you will arm yourself with ideas, questions, things that will help you during the interview. So again, this comes before the interview, and it is it is very important to spend that. And it shouldn't take you a lot of time, like maybe half an hour to an hour of research is usually, is usually enough. So how do I apply some of these principles? Well, for the whiteboard interviews... Um, which, you know, again, I keep making fun of whiteboard interviews because I, I really don't think it's the right approach for interviews, but you have to be ready for it uh, anyway. Um, the best thing for whiteboard interviews is to, um, to ask as much questions as possible. So, you know, to give you an example, so let's say somebody gives you this question, write a piece of code uh, that finds to find the most recurring letter in a string. It is one that is actually relatively common, I would say, in technical interviews, uh, in whiteboard technical interviews, I would say. So how would you approach um, when you get asked a question like this? Well, I mean, again here, your, your, instant, your instant reaction here, while you're thinking about the solution in your head, you should be also asking questions and um, also you should be having a conversation with um, with the interviewer. Uh, it will be hard for me to actually do the, the whiteboarding right now with this presentation, but I can, I can give you a little bit of an idea here. So for example, you could start by saying, hey, what can I use any programming language I want? Because you know, in some, in some jobs, you're applying for full stack where you're supposed to know, say, JavaScript and a backend language like Ruby on Rails or something. So you basically have the option to write it in possibly two languages. So this is a way, again, like you're getting to chat with them and things like that. Um, you could say, hey, would you like me to write tests for it? I, I generally like to write tests. So would you like me to start by writing out some tests? And then they will tell you, no, you know what? We don't want tests in here. Maybe just proceed straight to the solution. 
Or maybe they'll tell you, yeah, it would be good to write tests before, and then they should fail. And then when you write your code, the test should pass, and then we will build. But again, the only way for you to know and to avoid making assumptions is to ask those questions. And then you start the implementation. You could say, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to write, let's say I, I use Ruby here, or, or you know, Ruby and Elixir are, are languages I'm familiar with. You could say, well, with Ruby, I'm going to create a class. I'm going to call it string helpers, and I'm going to make a method here to basically call most recurring letter that takes in one argument. Um, you know, um, so actually, did you want me to handle a case where the string is nil or where the string is empty? And again, this is where they tell you. And during this time, you're you're gaining time. You're you're getting to think a little bit more. But also, more importantly, you're communicating with them. And then the other important part here is you should start to verbalize your thinking process. You could say, okay, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to use a, a split method in in um, in Ruby. Uh, there's a split method that you can take a string and make make an array of of, of characters. So I'm thinking to do that as as a first step. Um, and then here. You may see body language, they might interact or something like this. But the fact that you're verbalizing your thinking process, again, shows first your communication skills. Also, even sometimes if you don't reach the answer, just the fact that you're talking through your answer, you may be very close. Sometimes they give you hints or sometimes that may be enough for, um, for them to know how good you are. So they'll move you to the next step or they'll make you a job offer. Okay, so again here, uh, very important again, and I see, you know, I tend to encourage when I interview people, I tend to encourage them to verbalize their thinking process. I encourage them to ask questions and that kind of things. By the way, if you ask a question that just like asks for the answer, most interviewer will tell you, sorry, we, you know, we can't tell you that. So, and that's the worst that can happen. This is why, again, don't be afraid to ask questions, verbalize your thinking process, and then explain how, how things are going. Um, another tip that I can give you that worked out really well for my students in the past, sometimes, you know, even if you follow the best, the best tips I, I'm giving you here, you may still be very nervous during, during the interview. It just, it's, it is an experience that, um, can make a lot of people nervous. I, I think you should not, because I think, again, treat it like a conversation, treat interviewers like you're potential future uh, colleagues or, or bosses or whatever. Um, but again, sometimes you can be nervous. So this is why sometimes you come home and you realize, oh, I could have solved it in a better way or something like this. So what I would do, especially if you do it quickly after the interview, you could say, hey, you know, after our interview was finished, I thought of the solution, which is a little bit better, and then send out the solution in an email. First of all, again, this signals that you're thinking about programming, about solutions all the time, which is really a good signal for most employers. And also, again, here, um, if you happen that you, you didn't do your best in the interview because you were nervous or such, then this is another opportunity for you to basically fix that. And again, it doesn't work all the time, like anything, you know, not nothing works all the time, I would say. But um, it is it is it, it, it increases your odds, especially if you, you know, if you actually thought of a better solution after after the interview. Can't emphasize this enough. Interviews is all about practice, 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 practice. Um, so you know, again, practice in every possible way. Um, I'll share many websites with you guys here in 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 this course. Maybe I, I think I'll I'll share with the Van Hack uh, folks the uh, the slides later if you want to do it. 
But for white border interviews, code, code wars and hacker rank are two popular ones. Um, there's lead code, there are others. Um, again, you know, an interview is coming up. I would practice there. Again, if I was to be interviewing now, um, you know, again, I'm not great at whiteboard interviews because, again, you don't do these type of things day to day as a developer. So I have even me with many years of experience, I have to practice for whiteboard interviews. So I would go to these sites and I would go through questions. And the interesting thing about these sites, you could calibrate the difficulty. So you could start with something easy and then accelerate to something more and more difficult. Um, other sites here, again, uh, I put CodeCast there. We have some courses. Some of them are free on practicing for interviews. So check them out when you get the chance. And also you'd be surprised of how many good things are there on, on actually YouTube that of people showing you how to practice for uh, interview questions. There are some also um, good uh, articles on FreeCodeCamp. So FreeCodeCamp.org, uh, you could feel free to... Um, um, you know, check out some good articles over there. Hey, I am back. So we can, we can, if we, you can, we have some questions from our. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Here it's one for you is personally more or less important than a perfect, perfect technical fit in a candidate. I mean, personality, um, I wouldn't say it's um, more more or less. I mean, honestly, like to me, the, the, the technical fit is almost a given for most companies. If somebody cannot do the job, no matter how, uh, unless you're a junior position. I mean, actually, to answer it more accurately here, if you're applying for a junior position, then I would say yes, personality. When I hire a junior developer, I hire them more on how excited about learning they are and how um, you know motivated for programming, how much they love coding. Because when you're a junior developer, then I understand that you don't have a lot of technical expertise. But I would say if you're applying as an intermediate or senior, I would say technical fit is important because the company will actually be relying on you to deliver features to production, which means that you do have to have the technical chops for it. Now, they're both important. I mean, again, um, if somebody is not a very nice person, nobody would want to work with you, even if you can deliver a lot of code. So personality is important. But I would say, you know, I wouldn't call it a perfect technical fit, but I would say like having some personality fit is 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 just as important as as a as as a technical. But technical is is almost a given. Like you do have to have that for an intermediate or, or senior. Great. In your opinion, which technologies are in demand in the market right now? Um, yeah, I mean, like I can speak mostly like when, you know, I, I'm, I mostly come from a, from a web development background. Uh, so mm -hmm. I can tell you that from the web development point of view, there's still big demand for Ruby on Rails. I see everywhere. Um, we use, we use Elixir in both Codecast and in Applicar. Um, I've seen it growing, but it doesn't have as much demand as some of the other ones. Um, a lot of companies are starting to experiment more with AI technologies these days. So mm -hmm. it's still in the early days, but it is starting to grow a little bit. And Python is kind of yeah, the, the obvious language for a lot of that. Mm 
For the front end, I've been seeing a lot of, still a lot of React, some Vue and React still very, very popular. React Native and Flutter seems still to be the popular choices for, for, for mobile applications. Now, again, that said also, like there's still demand for Java and PHP. A lot of bigger companies still use those. I wouldn't consider them as growing as much, but I, I, I do see a good number of jobs for those two. Good. Um, we have, how bad could be using Google during a code interview sharing a screen? Honestly, I don't remember every algorithm. And many times on those code challenges, they ask for algorithms that you rarely use when you get the job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's an excellent question. Actually, that's an excellent question. So I would say, um, I wouldn't say it's bad, but this is where I would use questions, right? Like back to the technique I was telling you earlier. So if if you if you don't, I, I don't remember all the algorithms, and more importantly, I don't remember all the functions and libraries either. So I would tell the interviewer, "Hey, I think the function is X, but are you okay if I just Google that?" Most interviewers will tell you, "Yeah, no problem." Uh, because they understand that they spend a significant portion of their time on the documentation page on Google, Stack Overflow, you name it, right? So I would say it is not bad, but don't assume it. Ask the interviewer, can I Google how do you split a string in Elixir, if you're using Elixir, let's say, because I think it's string.split, but I'm not sure, right? Or um, I know the algorithm for this is that, but can I do a quick search for it? I think most interviewers will tell you yes. Some may tell you no, which is fine. If they tell you no, then you could simply write pseudocode. You could say, you know, you could write something that you know will not run, but at least it will give an idea for how you would think about it. Okay, great. Let's go with this one. What will you do if you can sense that a candidate is nervous during the interview? Will you reject him or her because he's unable to answer your questions out of his nervousness or will give another chance? I mean, I personally usually give another chance for those people. Um, I can't guarantee that every interviewer will do the same. Um, I would say, you know, um, at least in Canada, I tend to see a lot of the interviewing people tend to be on the nicer side. So I would say a lot of people will probably give you a chance. And this is where following up with a, with like a better answer or with a thank you note is usually good. And in my in some cases, if somebody really was really nervous, I would give them a take home or I would schedule another um, I would schedule another interview or a follow up interview or something like this. This can happen a lot, right? Uh, but in my opinion, if you know. Um, if you work on like researching the company, practicing and such, that nervous nervousness will naturally be a lot less, right? But again, it'll happen. It'll happen to all of us. So if it happens, just again, follow up with a nice thank you letter and then a better solution if you think you didn't give the best solution. And you could even mention, hey, like I was a bit nervous and, you know, I would appreciate a second chance. And if I've, I've seen it before and I tell you, I think a lot of interviewers will give you a second chance. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's about practice, I think, right? Tom, how important is for the front developer, front-end developer JavaScript to learn Web 3.0? It's a matter of interest or something essential to have in the pocket? It is not essential at all, no. It is more, if you're interested in Web 3, you learn Web 3. If you're not interested, there are a ton of jobs that doesn't require Web 3. Um, yeah, like, I've learned a little bit of Web3 out of interest, but I never 
built like a full full production ready app for it before so um yeah don't worry about it i would say you know and this is again a tip that's not really related to interviews but generally speaking i would say instead of chasing the latest technology in demand uh maybe double down on the on the technologies you're already good at like for example if you're a front-end developer I would say get better at React, like learn how to write large applications in React, learn how to improve the performance in React, learn how to uh, integrate React with various different libraries. Uh, I would say that's a lot more important than learning more things, right? Uh, it's better to go deep first, then go wide rather than the other way around. Great. Does Angular developer job market is very less or nothing growing compared to React? Um, at least in Canada, Vancouver, Canada, at least I've been seeing a lot less Angular than React. Um, and I think last time I checked about the growth of different frameworks still seems like React is more in demand than Angular. That said, you know, if you're really good at Angular, I would bet you there is a ton of jobs for Angular. That's why I, I say, you know, I'd reiterate that I wouldn't just dump Angular because it's doesn't have as much demand as React. Um, I would I would go deeper before you completely switch or ditch a framework. I think there is still a decent number of Angular. And as you guys know, when somebody starts with a framework, it's hard to change. Mm -hmm. So if somebody started with Angular, which came before React, it's hard for them to switch to React. That's why a lot of companies still have large Angular apps because they started there and they just continued there. Yeah, let's see now. If you don't have the work experience in certain tech stack, how good are Git projects to showcase the requirement technical skill for a specific job? I think it's I think it's important. Like uh, I don't always ask for Git uh, projects, but I sometimes do. Like I know in in an interview I did a couple of weeks ago, uh, the person did okay in the technical interview. So I asked him, hey, can you send me some Git projects that you have as open source? Uh, I would say, to be on the safe side, have some good, like, um, publishable code on your on your GitHub. On your Git, I, I shouldn't say GitHub, could be on any Git, Git uh, provider. It could be GitLab or, or Bitbucket or whatever. But what I would say is, first of all, it signals that you are contributing to open source, even if it's a side project, it's still the fact that it's available out there for everybody to view and use is considered open source. If you contribute to an actual open source project, like a bigger one, it's even better, right? Let's say, you know, you contribute to a library in React using React as like, a, you know, brought up before, or like you built a small utility thing for, for React. That's even, in my opinion, it's even better than building just a simple app. I would avoid having like any hello world practice and these type of things. Those are more noise and it actually sometimes clutters your GitHub with with things that the interviewer may have to like ignore a whole bunch of repos. So I would say like, think of it this way. Think of your GitHub as the storefront. You know, they don't put every piece of uh, products when you go to a store. They don't put everything in the cram it in the, in the storefront. They put maybe the top five that will get you excited enough to go in and see more, right? So think of it that way, put maybe three to five at most GitHub repos uh, that really showcases your skills. Ideally, ideally contributing real open source where libraries people use, but if not, it could be a side project, but again, like, you know, for example, make sure it has tests because most companies look for 
having tests with your project. So if you don't have tests, I'd be a little bit careful. Make sure the code is clean. Like maybe you get a friend to review it or something. But I would say, you know, to answer your question there, uh, yes, it is actually a good way to showcase your skills, especially if it's good, clean code that somebody have viewed that like showcases your skills. Great. Now, what are the most common mistakes in a technical interview? Common mistakes? Um, hmm. Let me think about this a little bit more. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, like one, I mean, one common mistake is to, again, uh, be silent in the interview. I think, <laughs> in my opinion, this mm. is the biggest the biggest um, um, the biggest mistake. Like I have some interviewers who think that they just have to be silent, code, and then give me the solution at the end. And again, I think it's it's in my opinion the most common mistake because again, treat it like an like a like a conversation, speak, verbalize your thinking process. Again, just to reiterate the same common principles. But that in my opinion that the, the the most common mistake. The other one is not researching the company enough which, you know, if you research the company enough, you should have questions at the end of the interview, which I was going to come to um, in, 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 a, in a future slide. Having questions to the, uh, to the, uh, having questions for the company about their product or their technology is important. Uh, you have to make the company feel that you don't just need any job, you need just this job. Okay, even if you, <laughs> even if this is not the case, you have to make the company feel that this is the only job you want. And to make so, you have to be prepared with questions and you have to show a lot of interest and excitement about the company. And to do that, you have to research the company, which means you have to go on their blog, you have to understand, maybe talk to a friend or a friend of a friend who works there. Again, um, you know, these are, I think, things that are relatively, um, um, that are relatively easy to do and I think they make a big impact. Good. Let's see. Now, I have 11 years of experience in web development, but it's very hard for me to write code on paper and concentrate because of his worry how to handle both <laughs> things, I think. Yeah, honestly, I totally empathize with you, Artem. I, I tend to be the same. I have a hard time writing code on paper uh, or, 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 or on a whiteboard. You know, I would say like, Unfortunately, it just just comes with practice. Like I know my like I've seen it with my students who also were the same. I mean, they have a hard time even like because a lot of them were junior developers. They would even struggle in an editor, leave alone like writing in in a Google Doc or on on a whiteboard or something like that. I would say the best thing is just to to um, to practice. Like uh, do role playing with your friend. You're the interviewer. He's the interviewee, or you know she's the interviewer. You're the interviewee, and then. Um, uh, practice, you know, it, it'll take a little bit of time. And honestly, again, this is where, where, where I mentioned one of my first principles I talked about is interviewing is a skill and any skill you need to practice it. So again, you may, you may think it's useless to get good at writing code on a whiteboard. And I agree, like in real life, maybe it is, but to get the job that may be what the companies want. Like I know, especially bigger companies, a lot of them still do whiteboard interviews. So treat it like, okay, it's a skill you may not use day to day, but to help you get to the job that you actually need, um, it is a skill that is worth 
cultivating. So this is why I would say, you know, my best advice, even though it may not be the easiest thing, is just to practice and role play this type of thing. Good. As a CTO, what candidate profile are you looking for to join your tech team? Um, when when I'm hiring, I usually, um, I mean, I, I tend to hire for, for Elixir because that's the, the technologies I'm hiring with for, for Applicar. Um, so um, when, I, when I look at profiles, I would give preference to Elixir because if somebody knows Elixir, it's less training that I would have to do. But if somebody is really good, I sometimes would give a chance for somebody who doesn't know Elixir because I know a good programmer can pick up a language relatively quickly. Um, but what I usually, usually do is like I tell them for the technical interview, take this free course. I actually, I, I, I have a free course on Codecast for, for Elixir. I like take this free course and then it should take you a few hours and then like uh, at least you could read the code or like make, make sense of the code. And then I would interview them that way. Some things I look for, I mean, um, when you're looking at a profile, I like to see some details, like, you know, avoid just having the job title on in there. Like I know a lot of people on LinkedIn, they just put the job title. It's good to put some details for what you actually did in the job, because it's not just enough to know that you know Elixir, but like, did you connect with APIs? Did you use, I mean, with an Elixir Phoenix framework? Did you use Live View? Uh, did you use, did you work with, multi-threading, concurrency, stuff like that. Like if you put some details about the profile, it's good. Um, I tend to prefer people who's, who stick with the companies for at least two years. So if somebody is hopping jobs every three months, to me, that's usually a bad signal that I sometimes have to have to watch for. So unfortunately, you know, I still don't discount those people. But if I see somebody jumping like five jobs in two years, I'd be a bit concerned. Uh, it's good to at least... Because I'm like, oh, why did they hop so many? Sometimes you have a compelling story, but in some cases it's not. Um, yeah, so these are generally the things I, I look for. So, um, you know, um, technologies and then details about the job and such. Good. Let's see our next question. What does a strong technical interview performance look like? Yeah, so a strong technical interview performance. So, um, like, one like unfortunately this will depend on the type of the interview so for example one one uh, technique i use is the debugging challenge where i give them a bug in my code i give access to my code and i ask the interviewees to figure out the bug so in my opinion a strong technical performance would be did they find the source of the bug right even better can they propose good solutions for resolving the bugs right because it's in our code base, I don't expect them to know much. But again, this is where if you know enough about Elixir coding and such, you sh usually you'll be able to debug enough to get to the to the source of the bug. Another thing is also, to me, a good performance is how well they were able to explain their solutions. And this is where, to me, it's like verbalizing the process and asking questions. If even sometimes like we've hired people where they didn't actually find the source of the bug, but they've enough about their thinking process that signaled to us that they know quite a bit. So we gave them chance by doing a second step of the interview or another side interview. So for a whiteboard interview, again, of course, the strong technical performance would be you figured out a solution that works with code or with pseudocode. And again, I would add to it, you've communicated well with the 
with the interviewers, right? If you've communicated well, explained your solution, I think that's a solid technical interview performance. Great. How to achieve your roadmap from web developer to CTO? Good one. From web developer to CTO? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I became a CTO mainly by, I mean, I've worked as a developer for many years in different capacities. CTO is an interesting one because as a CTO, um, you're not just a developer in most cases. You need to you need to be able to communicate very well because, uh, you know, as a CTO, you tend to meet with investors, for example, and the investors will, will talk to you about um, things like fundraising, like technical roadmap and things like that. So with CTO, there's other set of skills that you need to cultivate, mostly business skills that are beyond just uh, technology. So a CTO role I may not be for everybody because I know a lot of my developer friends don't like to develop beyond just being great developers or developer leaders or team leads and such. But you don't necessarily need like a full roadmap per se. I mean, you could you could start your own company. You can become the CTO of it right away. Just remember, at some point, you have to grow your company by doing things like hiring, raising money, talking to customers, and that type of things that usually CTOs do that go beyond just being a simple, uh, you know, like just this writing code. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's just a different different skill stack. Like you see how I showed you like a stack of skills you need to, to become good at interviewing. Um, I would say there is just a different uh, stack of skills you need as a CTO. One of it is understanding like financial statements, understanding a little bit about the business, knowing how to talk to investors, knowing how to do hiring and so on. So this is why, um, 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 it's it just identifying those skill set and seeing if you like to cultivate them and then working on them, right? But I would say probably the easiest way is to start by starting your own company if you're if you're capable of doing that. That's probably and then growing into that role that way. Good. We are gonna have other question. Anis, what do you expect to find in a take-home coding challenge? Yeah, so for, for the take home, the most of the ones I've seen is building a mini app or building a feature within an app. So usually it's it's more well-rounded than a whiteboard or like a question answer type of an interview. Because when you're take home, they're expecting you to, first of all, you have to have access to Google, you have to have access to, um, uh, to uh, maybe, to help. I mean, they'll tell you, like, we should do it by yourself. We shouldn't get help. Um, so, but they might expect that. So that's why I would say usually the task is a little bit bigger. Uh, sometimes it's like build a mini React app that's the following, right? Or sometimes, like, if you're for a backend, like, here's a front end, make this work with your own built backend. Um, so I would say for, you know, um, in the take home challenge, some things to watch for is understanding what the companies um, really want. Like I can tell you like one small tip I can give you is make sure you always have tests because almost every company that is beyond a certain size uh, appreciate having tests into their code base. That's why having tests, for example, as a part of your take home challenge, I think is, is, is very important, for instance. Um, Great. Yeah, no, you have to say something else. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. That's it. I think just that's it. Bigger, bigger task. Make sure you write tests. Make sure, you know, the code, you know how to explain your code well, because likely they'll, they'll ask you to explain your code after you. 
Great, great. That was such a good tips. Thank you so much, Tam, for sharing this. We are so proud that Codecast is already our partner for a long time. And I hope that we can keep creating amazing content together and learning opportunities for our community. And I'm sure that everyone here now is aware of what to expect from an international technical interview. And they have a lot of resources, right? Also, I want to mention that uh, now, if you want to stretch the foundations of coding to improve your problem-solving skills or insights techniques for high-performance tech interviews, our Bankhack Academy offers courses and weekly hands-on practice with real instructors to help you to get ready for your upcoming interviews. By joining uh, the Bankhack Academy, you will have access to more than 40 hours of live classes with industry experts, profile reviews, as so much more and Tom we're having a, the biggest sale of the year and it's happening right now get up to 40% discount plus an extra month by joining our academy and also get the amount invested at the academy when you get hired to bank hack so we are sharing the links this is your call uh thank you again Tom thank you everyone for attending this session and I will see you in a minute for our next session that I know that you're going to love it because it's about pathways to Canadian permanent residents, the PR. I see you there. Thank you. Thank you guys. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Van Hack Podcast. Make sure to create your account at vanhack.com to access jobs that are hiring from abroad.